Good afternoon, you're listening to 90.7 FM, KALX. I'm Franklin, and this is Berkeley Grox. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. I'm Charles Lee. Coming up on today's show, fly eyes and geese doo-doo. In addition, we'll be joined by James Howard Kunstler, who will discuss the long emergency. Also, we'll find out why flamingos are pink. So stay tuned for all of this, plus the Grokatron 5000 and the world-famous question of the week, coming right up here on the Berkeley Grok Science Show. I'm Frank Ling. And I guess that makes me Charles Lee, the voice of liberty and justice. It's not money. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's right. It's the voice of begging today, I think. <laughs> yes, groveling. Mm, yes. Well, so how are you feeling today? Indebted to society. <laughs> <laughs> feeling a little cash-strapped. Down to the last knees, I think. As is the radio station here that you're listening to, the wonderful KALX. The home of the Berkeley Grox. Yes. <laughs> so I guess we really do need a few dollars here and there, and if uh, there's any kind donors out there, we'd be quite appreciative of throwing some along this way. I, I'm sure you've been hearing it all week, listening to the the constant fundraisers. And of course, as you can tell, we're not much better at it than they are. <laughs> but certainly we would like for you to donate money. You, you know the number. It's 510-642-KALX. That's right. 510-642-5259. University of California listener-supported radio. And that's the important part, the last part, right? <laughs> listener-supported radio. Can we switch that around maybe? <laughs> What does actually the University of California provide this station? I'm not sure. I guess maybe this room or something. I, okay, well, that's good. Maybe they can clean it at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah, on the walls are still the shattered dreams of many students, I guess, who'd been in this room ages ago. Uh-huh. We do have a lot of listeners who listen to us over the internet, right. some from all over, and also our podcast. So but the fundraiser is only for this week only, so if you're listening via podcast in December, I guess you can still pledge. I'm not sure how that would be, but... I, I thought Calix always welcomes a few donors around the year. I think they just take the money and they pocketed. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> always ask for t-shirts, I guess. So, oh yeah, of course. So we do have, as always, during the fundraising, special gifts for different levels of donors. Right. Have you seen this design? Every year they come up with a pretty cool design for the, uh, I know. the t-shirt. Once again, they've uh, it blows my mind. You know, if you've seen this design, you're just going to have to pledge to, to get the t-shirt because it's unlike anything you've ever seen uh-huh. on this planet. I was hoping for an invisible cat <laughs> as their logo, but yeah, it well, might come out. <laughs> they did have the, the black cat one year, which was kind of a cool yeah. thing. No invisible cat. Not a design problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this design, again, this design was not meant to be seen by human eyes, I think. <laughs> it, you have to wait to the afterlife, really, to appreciate this. But uh, anyway, so we should probably go through the list. What can the various viewers get for uh, their various pledge donations? Well, let's find out. <laughs> we'll start at the very highest level of donation and work our way down here. At a very basic minimum level of $100 or more, you can get uh, a program guide, sticker, can cozy t-shirt and a tote bag just for a minimum pledge of $100 and get all the things that uh, Calyx has to offer except for Calyx itself. 
Uh, but of course, $100, you know, I'm saving my $100 to actually get the new William Hung album. So if you want to pledge a little bit less for a minimum pledge of $50, so get that great program guide, has all the information about the shows. So get the great sticker that you can get, put it on your car, like a bumper sticker if you want, or, or on your forehead, whatever you feel like you want to do with the sticker. And of course, the Can Cozy, which can cozy up to your cans, whichever can you like. And of course, the, the beautiful Calyx t-shirt, again, a great t-shirt, and wear it over your shoulders, wear it on your head, wear it on your foot. Uh, we don't care. It's up to you to decide for just a mere pledge of $50. That's still a pretty good deal, and I can appreciate that some of our listeners may not want everything in the higher package, right? Right. Things you own. (laughs) They wind up owning you. All right, but still, look, if still people don't want to donate that much, I, I, can't, I can't actually see why most people aren't just donating their life savings to Calyx. Uh-huh. But, you know, maybe uh, $50, you know, I don't know, the number 50, it doesn't do it for you. Uh, whatever. Obviously, we'll take any amount of money you have, anywhere from zero to infinity. Uh, these are, of course, pledges that are not too common here nowadays, and usually they're kept to the real number line. If you wish to go to the imaginary number, well, you can call our imaginary number. But for a minimum pledge of $30, this is our basic, basic minimum package, you can still get the program schedule, the Can Cozy, which uh, who, who really doesn't like a Can Cozy, honestly, and of course that uh, great bumper sticker that you can put on your car. I mean, this is an amazing, amazing package still for just $30 and get a lot of great stuff there. Uh, I mean, really, I mean, just the bumper sticker alone is worth that much. You know, I would actually just give my life savings for that bumper sticker. <laughs> what, what did you do with your bumper sticker last year? Put it on a part of my body that I just can't take off. <laughs> Ouch. I'm expecting it to grow out. I'm not sure if that will <laughs> Grow it, right? <laughs> I've given new definition to the term bumper. But I guess if just have a few cents here and there. Right, of course. I mean, we'll take your penny jar. We, we have no qualms about that. We'll break into your piggy bank. Anything you can pledge is fine. Um, and also, just as a note, if uh, you pledge a basic minimum of $50, you can add on uh, extra t-shirts shirts or an extra tote bag, an extra t-shirt for just $20, and an extra tote bag for $50, and that's in addition to any pledge of $50 or more. You get everything in that those packages, plus an extra t-shirt or tote bag for the $20 or $50 respectively. We'll take anything you have, except your husband or kid. Send or a the, kidney. Oh, I could use a kidney. I'm, oh, really? I'm pla- or a new liver. <laughs> I'm planning on using mine out by tomorrow. <laughs> you gotta get the beer IV off your blood these days. It's injection to your liver. Yeah, the beer IV wasn't doing so good recently. I think I've moved on to the vodka nowadays. Uh. Right. So again, this is the kind of programming you're supporting, by the way. <laughs> if you don't want to hear this nonsense, <laughs> you better start pledging now. Otherwise, we won't get into the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And believe me, we've been saving the good stuff all year just for today's show. So uh, where'd you hide the crack, Charles? <laughs> again, so that's, I think, at the very highest level of pledge, right? <laughs> so again, if you want to pledge, uh, the number to call is 510-642-KALX. And we take international calls, right? We do take international calls from overseas, the moon, the uh, Spiro Nebula in uh, the galactic arm. <laughs> penguins are welcome. We speak penguin here, too. Yeah, but penguins, they're, they're kind of cash-strapped, too. You think so? Typically, I don't think they carry a lot of cash on them. Yeah, but they're fat. <laughs> they have a good diet. All right, 510-642-KALX, 510-642-5259. Again, pledge whatever you can. We'll take uh, anything uh, you have. Uh, again, there's those basic minimum packages, 30 50 and $100. Of course, uh, you can always call us again here at 510-642-KALX, 510-642-5259. Maybe just even a chat. We uh, will chat with you. Of course, we can also take your money if you call those numbers, 510-642-KALX, 510-642-5259, and pledge what you can. Help support great public and community radio right here in the Bay Area. So again, call that number, 510-642-KALX, 510-642-5259. And we'll be right back with some science. 
Okay, so here's a question for you. Is your eyeball bigger than your brain? I, I can't answer that question because my eyeball is bigger than my brain. We're going to have to take it out one of these days. <laughs> my so, eyeball or my brain? Well, I guess. Okay. So here's the animal fact this week. Oh, yes, of course. You know, we've started doing the uh, the animal facts for the week. I think we need to get somebody to actually make us a uh, theme song for animal fact of the week. <laughs> what should it be? Like lions chewing on uh, <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> uh, I'll sing a little jingle right now. Animal fact of the week. All right. All right. So it turns out the eyeballs of ostriches are actually bigger than their brains. Okay. <laughs> it gives you meaning to bird brain, I guess. Well, or you could be positive about it and say bird eye. Ah. Uh. <laughs> He's got the bird eye. Yes. I do actually have a bird story to follow. Okay. That. Turns out Canada geese have been enjoying themselves in Lake Tahoe because they have so much abundance in fish and it's a safe environment. They've actually stopped migrating and just started settling down in the lake. But that's actually become a problem because the excrement is actually high in phosphate nitrates and they're heavily deposited on the floor of the lake now, oh, up to okay. two inches at some places. Oh, geez. Okay. I guess this is the solution they're trying to get rid of the geese or they're trying to get rid of the waste? Unfortunately, they have to get rid of waste. So what they're doing is some people in the Department of Agriculture are trapping them and relocating them somewhere else. But birds are pretty good at finding their way back. <laughs> oh, well, during the molting season, they can't fly. Oh, okay, so. okay. That's a good time to get them. I guess you don't want birds in your pool. <laughs> uh, so if you want to learn more about geese pooping in the lake... They can look up the Department of Agriculture. All right, and this story is so cool. I've been saving it just for the fundraiser. Wow. It's, it's so amazing. I've been saving it since yesterday, in fact. <laughs> is this the copy I found in the bathroom? <laughs> it's amazing what kind of scientific facts you can find on bathroom walls. It's been enlightening. But this actually has to do with more eyes. The golden eye? <laughs> fly eye. Researchers are actually interested in the fly visual system uh-huh. because of how it's able to extract out different light intensities from its multifaceted eye. Right. As a lot of people know, Insects have what are called compound eyes. Yeah. They have a number of uh, different eyes which all take in the light and construct the visual image. Right. Now, it actually seems interesting because researchers are using this technique to create digital imaging systems that can profile like, a visual scene at a large varying of light intensity levels. So, for example, when you're taking a picture, what's called the exposure problem. Yeah. If you have a scene where it's very dark in some parts and very uh-huh. light in some parts, uh-huh. you can't capture that whole range of light intensities. Right. So their idea is that, well, let's just build a lens kind of like what the fly has and instead oh, of just adding more pixels, what you right. do is you just uh, have those pixels sensitive to different parts of the, and right. tune them to different light intensity levels. Okay, and then have a composite image at the end. Right. It's balanced. So cool. It's a pretty cool approach and uh-huh. makes you wonder, why didn't I think of that before? <laughs> so pretty soon we'll have digital cameras with hexagonal eyes or multiple lenses all emitting out. Yeah, I'm not sure how they would design it. I might just be able to have one lens but have the pixels oh. tuned to different parts of it. But that's, uh, that's one possibility there. Uh-huh. Good news for all the photographers out there. Sorry you had to wait until the fundraising episode to hear about this amazing work, but it was published in the recent edition of Science Now. And that's all for a look at recent developments in the world of science and technology. You're listening to the Berkeley Grok's Science Show. Well, coming up next, James Howard Kunstler will join us to discuss the long emergency. So stay tuned. Thank you.
Welcome back to the Grok Science Show. Well, the industrialized world is built on cheap energy in the form of oil, coal, and natural gas to create all the marvels and miracles essential to daily life. But now the era of cheap fossil fuels is ending, climate change is upon us, and our models of global industry, trade, food production, and transportation are unlikely to survive. Our modern civilization may be nearing a major catastrophe, one that we may be fully unprepared for. Well, joining us today on the Grox Science Show is Mr. James Howard Kunstler. Mr. Kunstler is a former editor for the Rolling Stone magazine, whose articles have appeared in the Atlantic Monthly and New York Times magazine. He's the author of numerous nonfiction and fiction books, including The Geography of Nowhere and The City in Mind. His most recent book, The Long Emergency, Surviving the End of Oil, Climate Change, and Other Converging Catastrophes of the 21st Century, was a controversial hit upon its initial release, and it is now available in paperback. Mr. Kunstler, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok well, Science Show. Well, great to be with you. Well, it's certainly our pleasure. You've written a very fascinating book, uh, one obviously that stirred up quite some controversy about a year ago when it was released. Um, I'm curious, how did you actually become interested in this whole issue of peak oil? Well, I had written three books about the fiasco of suburbia and its implications, and one couldn't fail to appreciate the connection between our energy supplies and the situation and the way we had constructed a living arrangement for ourselves. More to the point, a living arrangement that has very poor prospects for the future something we ought to be very concerned about. Indeed. Well, as you point out in your book, uh, most people, when they think about our dependence on oil, pretty much think of the automobile, but it has far-reaching, actually, consequences throughout all of our culture. Yes, it does. You know, we use oil to manufacture everything from pharmaceuticals to paints to common household products and cleaners and you know, our clothing polypropylene, just tremendous effect on the way we live. And entering an era of depletion is going to really put us behind the eight ball. The, the ones I mentioned are the main ones, manufacturing and being the feedstock for many of our products. 60% of it is transport, more than 60% is transportation. And, and of that, it's mostly cars and trucks. And a few other things. We use it to make pesticides and herbicides for agriculture, and we use it for home heating. About half the nation heats with natural gas, but that's really uh, just the first cousin of oil. It's just another fossil fuel, so I tend to put them in the same basket. You also mentioned that even our food production systems are dependent on oil. Well, yeah, I mentioned fertilizer and, of oh. course, you know, trucking the 3,000-mile Caesar salads all over <laughs> right. the country. I guess the main issue here is uh, one uh, called global peak oil. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with it, but I'm wondering if you could actually explain what peak oil and the Hubbard's peak actually is. Well, the Hubbard peak is a mathematical model for oil depletion in an oil field, but it also works for whole regions and nations and, indeed, for the entire oil endowment of the world. And Hubbard was the chief geologist for Shell and later for the Colorado School of Mines and Columbia University. And he developed this bell curve model. And he predicted that the U.S. would peak in 1970. And lo and behold, it did. And our production went from 10 million barrels a day in 1970 to now 5 million barrels a day and going down. He also predicted the world would peak between about 1995 and 2010. And lo and behold, it is. And unfortunately, unlike 1970, you know, when we were able to turn to importing from other nations, we cannot now turn to importing oil from other planets. <laughs> and that's the essence of the problem. Another, another big core of the problem is that 
we're going to get in trouble well before we run out. As soon as we go over the arc of the, the peak and head down the slippery slope of depletion, the complex systems we rely on are going to wobble. I think most people don't realize that even though there may be uh, still oil left in the ground, uh, the fact is that the cost of actually extracting that oil is much uh, greater than its benefit. Oh, yeah. And, you know, related to that is the fact that much of the oil that we got out in the first 150 years of the oil age was the best mm -hmm. light, sweet, crude oil. And a lot of what remains is heavy and sour crude oil and things like tar sands and, and things that are really very costly and difficult to refine. And that's increasingly the case. Mm -hmm. So how long can we survive based on our current Well, you know, we, it depends how we arrange our, our mm -hmm. lives. It depends what we expect in the way of a society. But right now, the thinking about it is very, very poor, including the thinking coming from the tech community. What you see out there across the whole landscape of opinion, from politics to business to tech, is nothing but a wish to find a, another way to run our cars. It's just all about our cars, and that's not going to be good enough. We are going to have to seriously make other arrangements for how we live in the deepest sense of the term, the way we grow our food, the way we conduct our commerce and trade and business. We are going to have to make other arrangements whether we like it or not. Circumstances are now going to compel us to do it. What are the prospects for alternative energy sources? Not what most people think. And that's part of the problem, because what we're seeing now, even at the highest levels of tech, is a lot of wishful thinking. The fact is that no combination of alternative fuels is going to allow us to run Walt Disney World, the interstate highway system, and Walmart the way we're running them now, or even a substantial fraction of them. We are going to use every alternative fuel and system for doing stuff that we can. I don't want to be misunderstood about this. We're going to use everything we can. But we are not going to run the U.S. the way we're currently running it on any combination of oil shale, tar sands, nuclear power, secondhand French fried potato oil, biodiesel, or any of the things that people are talking about. We're going to use those things, but we're going to have to also make other arrangements. Not even hydrogen, which has gotten so much hype. No, I forget it. There's not going to be a hydrogen economy. That's perhaps the most wishful scheme that, that has come along of, of all of them. It, it just ain't going to happen. What is the solution, then? How do we survive, as you put it, the long emergency? We have to make other arrangements. For example, you hear nothing in the news, either the newspapers or the, or the broadcast media. We've heard nothing in the mainstream media except how to find new ways to power our cars. We have heard nothing about doing things like restoring the, the American railroad system, which would have a greater impact on our petroleum use than any other thing we could do right away. And the fact that nobody's even talking about that shows how unserious we are. Uh, how about how we arrange our cities? We're probably going to see a reversal of the 200-year trend of people moving from the countryside and the small towns to the big cities. And I believe that our larger cities are going to contract severely, even while they densify at their cores and their waterfronts. And the big issue, of course, is the global economy, which is so dependent on uh, this transportation. How will that be Right. Affected? Well, the big assumption is that the global economy is a permanent institution. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what you get from guys like Tom Friedman, 
who uh, would have us think that the uh, global economy will be with us forever now. But in fact, it's a, just a set of transient economic relations that arose from very special circumstances, namely 50 years of relatively cheap and abundant oil and gas, and 50 years of relative world peace, emphasis on the relative. And that allowed these things like 12,000-mile manufacturing supply lines from Asia to Walmart and, and so on. But, you know, the idea that that, that uh, is going to persist forever is just completely nutty. It just ain't going to happen. So we're going to have to make other arrangements for living locally in America, and we are not prepared. We're simply sleepwalking into the future. Indeed. I mean, how cognizant aware do you think our policymakers or even just the general public of this issue? Well, I think that there are different levels of awareness. I, I doubt that the people at the highest levels of government are unaware of this stuff. But, but I, I, you know, I have seen evidence that the people at the highest level of corporate high tech are mm. clueless. Mm. I went to, to the Google headquarters last June to give a talk. And, you know, all the Google executives got up uh, after the talk during the comment period and said, like, dude, we've got technology. And, they, you know, that told me that they don't understand the difference between energy and technology, and they're not the same thing. Can't substitute one for the other. All those big Boeing 757s and 747s and 727s that we, we run all around the world, uh, they're either going to run on liquid hydrocarbon fuels or they're not going to run. Mm. You know, we're not going to stick technology in their wing tanks. And uh, we're also not going to change out the whole fleet of 9,416 Boeing and Airbus and Saab jet planes all around the world. Mm. Energy and technology are not interchangeable, and, and we're really deluded about this. Well, it, we are running slightly out of time, but I'm curious, uh, what do you think is our prospects then for actually uh, surviving on the other side of this long emergency? I think that we're going to enter a period of real hardship and turmoil, and I think that we're going to be very surprised at how difficult things get in the United States. There's going to be a lot of political mischief, a lot of economic vicissitude, and this long emergency that I've written about is going to create a large new class of losers, you know, people who will lose jobs and never get them back, lost incomes, lost vocations, lost investments. In thing, you know, all the people who have invested in 4,000 square foot suburban houses 27 miles outside of Denver, or Minneapolis, or Berkeley, or, you know, anywhere in the country, those people are going to lose their wealth. And they're going to be angry, they're going to be full of grievance, they're going to be resentful and bewildered. And I think that we're going to see a great deal of political and economic uh, social mischief. It's an issue I think everybody needs to be aware of, and uh, unfortunately we are slightly out of time. But, Mr. Kunstler, I do want to thank you very much for talking to us today about your book, The Long Emergency. Well, thank you for having me along. All right. It was our pleasure. Bye-bye. And you were just listening to James Howard Kunstler discussing The Long Emergency. This is the Berkeley Grox Science Show. Well, coming up next, you can find out why are flamingos pink, plus the world-famous question of the week. So stay tuned. Well, that was, I think, a very fascinating interview we had with Mr. Kunstler. One for the environment, right? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of shows, they would give you a crappy interview during the fundraising week. Mm -hmm. Not us. We bring you quality every week here. That, it's the phone. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what's going on here?
I don't even know who has this number. <laughs> Environmental environmentalists listen to it. I thought only George Bush had this number. <laughs> Maybe it's the president. Hello, hello, hello. Who is this? I used to be the vice president of the United States. You mean uh, Walter Mondale? Al Gore. Oh, 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 Al Gore! Oh my God, you're actually listening to us. I appreciate the power of the environment. Wow, but isn't that like an inconvenient truth? The only inconvenient truth is not pledging to Calix. You're absolutely right, Al. You're absolutely right. To do my part, I'm going to pledge to Calix. Really? Wow. Totally out of politics now. You're just going to support public radio, is that right? I'm going to support the environment through public radio. That's pretty spiffy. We're pretty honored, Al. Public radio can reduce the greenhouse effect. I, I certainly agree with you. You know, if everyone just turned off their lights once in a while. If everyone pledged to public radio, the ice caps would not melt. They may even grow back and attack us. If everyone pledged to public radio, I would be the president right now. Bring him on. <laughs> Charge it to the polar bears. Okay. Hey, that was a hell core. That's not awesome. That's amazing. I wonder how he got this number, but you know, I couldn't get his number. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was going to be the next president, so he, he does have powers beyond our understanding. Yes. I wonder who that could be. I wonder who that could be. Hello, who's this? It's Bu Sui from Hong Kong. We're gonna make a movie about science. Wow, I thought you were dead. No, that's that's only a rumor. You know, it's uh, the Hollywood rumor. Always, always wrong. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's a it's a pleasure to have calling. You. How'd you get this number? My Hollywood agent. He know everything. <laughs> he uh, find your number. Oh wow, you must be working with Bob Weinstein or somebody. <laughs> uh, well, why are you calling? Because we need um, public radio. Everybody around the world needs more KALX, and that's why we want to preach to KALX today. Oh, oh my God! It's uh, we're glad you called. I mean, what good timing? Because we're actually having our Calix fundraiser. <laughs> oh, that is uh, very good. I'm about to train the new uh, Jutkindo, and <laughs> I would like to promote my new uh, martial arts school to the whole world. Well, is there any better place than uh, KALX? And especially if you're donating money, I we're overwhelmed. You know what we're gonna do for that? We're actually we're gonna send you a bumper sticker. Oh, thank you, thank you. And you know, I will show you my new move. We can chop a molecule. With our hands. Whoa, <laughs> you are truly the chosen one. <laughs> All right, well, thanks a lot for calling, Bruce. All right. Wow, Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. I, I, again, I'm first. I'm shocked that I thought he was dead, <laughs> and then second, now he's actually pledging to KALX. You know, I heard Elvis was dead too. Uh, I wonder if uh, he would call. <laughs> cool. Anyway, so we should probably. I wonder who that could be. I wonder who that could be. Hello, hello. That's right, baby. It's the king, baby. The return of the king? That's right, baby. It's one king to rule them all, baby. I thought you had died. Oh, that's a hunk of hunk of burning lies, baby. So uh, you didn't hang out with the Bruce up there in heaven? Oh, I've been hanging out with him over here in uh, Hong Kong, baby. Oh, man. <laughs> hunk so of hunk of burning, buddy. What's going down on the island? Oh, let me, let me tell you something, baby. We're going to be... We ain't nothing but a hound dog here, baby. To pledge to KALX, baby. Wow, what a coincidence. You know, it's uh, our pledge week this week. Oh, yeah, baby, we know Elvis knows everything. I'm the king, baby. The king. <laughs> you know, I'll vote for you anytime. Oh, yeah. All right, well, you can vote for me right now. I'm going to lay one right on your head, baby. It's going to be the Elvis pledge. Oh, you yeah, feel oh, that one? Oh, my goodness. You yeah, feel that one, baby? It's the Elvis pledge coming right at you. <laughs> 
That's Elvis for science, right? Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> it's like a jailhouse break coming right at you. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot, Elvis. Love me, tender. Oh my god. That we, was the king, huh? The king is called. I, I just don't see how we, we can go on now. My life is complete. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no one can outmaster him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see how anyone could outmaster the king. Uh-huh. I wonder who that could I, be. I wonder who that could be. Hello? A great disturbance in the galaxy I sense far away. Oh my god. Is this Jedi Master Yoda? <clears throat> in grave danger you are. But help I will send. Hmm. <clears throat> We need a lot of help down here, Yoda. <laughs> Is there a hope? Hmm. Green I am, and green you'll become as well. Hmm. We're awfully in the red here, so... <laughs> Strong the forces with you. Great hope I see, but train you must. Hmm. How can we train, Yoda? Concentrate and flow. The light of the force will come to you, enriching your bank it will. Hmm. I didn't know the force was so powerful that it could increase our, our bank, but truly the force is powerful. Hmm. It surrounds us. Yoda, I, I know you don't need one, but we're going to send you a Calyx t-shirt. Thanks for your the Pledge of the Force. Hey, may the force be with you. Oh, wow. Good food, good food. <sighs> stunned. I'm purely stunned. Wow. I, I never thought that there would be all these people listening to, well, first Berkeley Grox and then the Calyx, but Intergalactic friends, we yes, have, I guess. Amazing. So, look, all these people, they can pledge the Calyx, so so can you. <laughs> yeah. If Just, Yang can't cook, so can you. <laughs> you bet your booty. Now, you don't have to pledge the force, because we know not everybody can do that, but whatever it takes, mm -hmm. give us a call here. 510-642-5259. That's right. 642-KLX. Uh, give us a call. Pledge whatever you can. Help support quality public radio. <clears throat> and Yoda with the answer to last week's question of the week. Twisted by the red side of the forest flamingos are. <clears throat> Eating shrimp, the pigment it gives, and pink the flamingos they become. <clears throat> Time for my spinach. <laughs> Feel the power of Shao Kahn. Eating fugu fish. Why is it so Deadly. Email us, grox, at hotmail.com. You won't win anything, but you just might avoid fatality. And that's all for our special fundraising edition of Berkeley Grox. And make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here at Berkeley Grox, you can email us at grox at hotmail.com. For Berkeley Grox, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grox.net. Have a great afternoon and stay tuned for more fundraising magic. Fundraising magic.